It's the beginning of a very powerful month called Elul. Elul is the Hebrew month, month which um, prepares us spiritually for the time of total and utter spiritual transformation and rebirth. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of mankind, which is a, uh, a unique opportunity to be able to, given the right preparation, reclaim a whole new, uh, a whole new dimension of who we are as people, which is, which is exceptionally beneficial because having the opportunity to literally go into a time period which is suffused with spiritual energy and allows us that internal transformation and having the knowledge that it's going to occur, thus being given the time to prepare for it, is I think an extremely, extremely valuable gift. And that's what Elul is in relation to Rosh Hashanah. Elul, the month prior to Rosh Hashanah, happens to have the acronym. The letters spell out Ani which means I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me, which expresses the theme of the month, which is re-establishing a relationship with Hashem, with the powerful creator, and the causality is Ani It's in any loving relationship, we are called upon to be proactive in order to experience that love. So I need a doidi, I will be to my beloved first, doidi, and then I'll be able to feel the love come back to me. So we have to make one step forward. And therefore Elul is the time where we take one step forward. Many people are confused in understanding what Judaism is. They think it's a religion. They think it's another ism. The word Judaism, obvious, obviously, the actual English word Judaism is a misrepresentation of this thing that we call Torah. Torah is not a religion. Uh, the mitzvahs are not ritualistic. And the two ways that I think are most appropriate to describe the experience of living Torah. One is as a state of being, just a way of being. And when you're in that way of being, so then everything looks different and the way you respond to things is different. For example, when you're in the state of being of a plant-based diet, the way you respond to eating meat is based on that perspective and you're going to pull back from eating meat. If you're in the spiritual framework of Torah, you'll pull back from eating non-kosher meat for the very same reasons as the plant-based person would from eating meat because you feel this is harmful to me. Not because this is a ritualistic requirement, because you're so in tune with your spiritual workings that you recognize that these are um, necessary guidelines for you to navigate the spiritual pathways effectively. So that's one thing that Torah is. It's a, a way of being. The other way of describing it, and this is um, similar, but in many ways has a very different feel to it, is a relationship. It is a relationship with a powerful, all-knowing, omniscient creator. And that's something we're going to begin with now, because it's something which cannot be um, taken lightly. So, let's say you and I are talking, and I am an atheist, and you are a religious person. And you come to me and you say, hey, big boy, how do you think the world began? So I say, what do you mean? The Big Bang. That's how it began. 
and you say to me, <laughs> the Big Bang, <laughs> Big Bang. You say to me, what made the Big Bang bang? In other words, in order for the Big Bang to bang, the Big Bang had to have something there beforehand. So what happened? What was the, the Big Bang before the Big Bang? And at that point in time, our brains get stuck. Because we can only fathom cause and effect. So we can't deal with something which has no cause. So then um, I throw the question back at you. I say, well, how, how do you think the world began? Oh, religious one. And you say to me, what do you mean? With perfect faith. It was God who created heavens and the earth. And I say to you, well, <laughs> who created God? And you say, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, mm. and you're in the same, same situation. So really, the mystery of existence is not a religious or atheistic issue. It's a human issue. We cannot fathom the nature of existence because we cannot come to terms with a construct which is beyond cause and effect. Because just as our eyes can only see certain colors and certain, um, I don't know if you say frequencies of light, our brain can only fathom certain constructs. And our brain is an incredibly powerful, brilliant computer to deal with cause and effect. And to from that, we can really do enormous amounts. I mean, look at modern medicine science, but it's all focused on this this cause and effect at, at its root, at its very root. Uh, our ears can only hear, hear certain frequencies, and you know you can be in a room with a dog, and the dog accidentally jumps up, and you have no idea what the dog is, dog is jumping up, because you can't hear what the dog can hear. Our nose can only smell certain things, again, with the dog, you know, you, you go and you're taking uh, your stash with you to the airplane, and you think, oh, nothing, no one can smell this, 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 like, you know, this, this, this Durban poison. Um, <laughs> Famous, famous strand of marijuana growing in the Natal region, KwaZulu Natal region of South Africa, and nevertheless, the sniffer dog comes up and says, "Hmm, I smell something." I mean, pretty chilled over here, says the sniffer dog, <laughs> and then the sniffer dog smells more and more and more, and then eventually the sniffer dog says, "Hey, man, just it's okay." Like woof, 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 woof. <laughs> but by then, the guards kind of cottoned on that something may be awry. So, so, my, so, so, in other words, just like my senses have got a limit to their range, my brain has a limit to its range, and that's the first thing in relating to a creator. We have to, we have to, we have to acknowledge, or even before that, relating to as a human being, the nature of existence, which is which is a mystery to us all. It's an absolute mystery, and it, there's there's different ways of resolving that mystery, but all of them, at one level, say. I have no idea because I cannot know. Not that I do not know, but that I cannot know. And then dealing with the cannot know becomes a quest of life in different ways. There are spiritual ways and there are non-spiritual ways. And I'm going to suggest a spiritual way. That's, that's a little bit what we're going to be doing together. So we both get stuck that our brain can't conceive of something which has no cause and effect. And therefore our brain cannot conceive of how we came into this world and how the world came about and what we're doing here. And the quirky thing is like this. In the areas of within the world, we're extremely efficient and we are addicted to cause and effect. 
and therefore it's almost a cruel joke that the natural intuition of every human being when seeing something will seek to understand from whence it came and that's just a natural even a child will do that when the famous analogy which is quoted in many religious philosophers is the idea of it's called the watchmaker's proof and it's been disputed back and forth by atheists and religious people I don't really want to get into that but I just want to put across the human relationship that you're walking in the desert and you find a watch and uh, I said wow that's interesting you're probably going to want to know where did this watch come from but you're not going to say to yourself as a human being this watch came from nowhere it was always here when I say those words to you there's a kind of a logical sort of short circuit that I feel happening in my mind and probably in yours because what do you mean well someone made it didn't they there's no notion of something that is about that no one made there's always someone that made it that's called our addiction to cause and effect and when we dealing with the universe that made by something that was not made by anything we get trapped so really our logical reasoning mind can only help us within the world but it can't help us in terms of before the world and this is beautifully expressed in the words of our sages that they say you cannot ask what came before it's not that they're telling us you're a naughty boy if you ask that question we don't like those questions because Judaism embraces all questions the whole ethos of our spiritual practice is about embracing the questions rather what we are saying is that some questions are not unaskable because they're wrong, but they're unaskable because we have no framework to assimilate an answer, and therefore it becomes a futile activity, which just becomes non-productive. So the first thing we have to recognize is that there is a mystery in creation, and the mystery involves connecting to something, whatever you want to call that thing that's larger than our own limited capacity to fathom reality. It's way bigger. And this is so important because over the course of time and perhaps through the, um, I don't know why, the notion of God has become so tarnished uh, and misinterpreted or reduced to such petty concerns like God is a really old and wise, beneficent guy. A little bit like beautifully represented in the Sistine Chapel where Michelangelo creates God as this bearded being floating on top of a cloud definitely spend a lot of time in the gym and fantastic fantastic guns and is extending his finger to Adam who touches it and of course that was adapted by Spielberg in E.T. Phone's Home like the touching of I don't know if you remember that scene Oh, you, you're just too, too young. Um, for the Sistine Chapel. Oh, E.T. or both. Yeah, too strong. So, so that reduction of God to a being is the ultimate antithesis of spirituality. Because you're essentially undermining the core component of what this spiritual being is about, which is inaccessible to human reason. 
and you're making a God within the realms of human reason. And that has got so many different complications. That's when people come and they kind of say, well, you know, I can't believe God did that. It's almost as if you're speaking to a person that's just an advanced human being and you really should know to behave better. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. We have to recognize that the first step of relating to a creator, this force that made the world come into being, is a acknowledgement, really, of the limitations of our rational minds to grasp anything about him. And then, of course, we get trapped, because well, if we can't grasp anything about him, so then what do we do next? So here we are in this world. Um, there is a creator, but it's totally mysterious to us. We can't fathom it. So essentially, it's a cruel joke, because we're put in a game, and we're not given the tools to, to be able to, uh, the rules, to be able to play the game. So now we're stuck. So that, that, that's the kind of a starting point to our discussion on God, which I think is 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 the proper place. And, and I'm, I'm reticent. I, I don't like using the word God because because of those associations, because people have that kind of um, humanized God, and and in a way made him quite petty. And and the truth is, it, it becomes complicated for us as well because in the biblical narrative there are these what we call anthropomorphisms, these speaking about God by using human attributes. And that actually complicates this process for us and maybe that's part of the problem which we're going to have to deal with. Like, you know, oh, God got angry and then he, and, and the vengeance and the wrath of God and all these things which can be completely misinterpreted and we have to find a, a mechanism because, you know, our philosoph- philosophical starting point, which is this, is we have no, nothing about God and, and then we'll go and we'll develop a few more ideas about that. But I think it's crucial that we relate to that. Otherwise, we're going to shrink God into this like um, human it's essentially idolatry, taking a infinite being and making it function according to the, the rules of our of our worlds, and um, it becomes becomes a crucial factor when we start start about well then how do you build a relationship with God? I mean, if God like this personified, like really nice guy in the sky. No, I'd love to get to know him. You know, he must be so cool. Like, he's like, he's like super nice, and even though I'm horrible, he never gets upset. And he's, like, he's also all powerful. Like, he's like the superhero. He's like Superman, but like much bigger. And he like swooped down and saved me, and he's like so cool. I love him. But then in that relationship, there's this reduction of, of almost it becomes idolatrous. <laughs> you understand the problem, like you understand the basic problem of, of 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 spiritual growth and like relating to a creator is like massively problematic. No, so I want to begin with Derech um, Hashem, the word, the works of Moshe Chaim He wrote a book called The Way of God, and he he speaks about Hashem. I'm, I'm going to use the word Hashem if you don't mind to describe God from the onwards because it doesn't have the same connotations as God hopefully with three of those associations and it will be a little bit easier to deal with Hashem Hashem literally means the name and the reason why we use it is because um, which is another quirky thing we don't pronounce the four le- the name the name and the name giving God a name itself is a problematic entity what does it mean what do names mean generally generally names mean the way that an external observer needs to give a label to something that he doesn't have a complete handle on. It's his perspective of. So, for example, 
I don't need to give myself a name because I am me. But I need to have a name so people can identify me as differentiated from other people. So a name is the power of differentiating one thing from another. So obviously there's like a lot of talk in both the 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 halachic and the mystical works about the names of God. What in the world does that mean? Especially in this context that you know surely God should be unnameable. Um, but maybe that's part of this process that we we struggle with this name of God and we don't. We've got all these all these practices not 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 to say it. What, what is that all about? Maybe it's it's linked to this. Like we can never pronounce it, and even when we do pronounce it, the four letter name of God, Hashem, which is spelled Yud A with Vav and another Hey, we don't ever pronounce it the way the letters are written. We just say the word Adonai, which means my master. So we don't even say that we don't actually read the word. Even when we say the word, which we don't even say because we say Hashem, but even the word that we don't say because we say Hashem isn't even the word that we say. So we like we we like two steps removed. This is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. This is like spirituality, Jewish spirituality 101, getting to it. No, this is amazing. And that's what we're meant to be doing now. Good, 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 good. Is, is anyone got any questions so far? Because, I mean, I've, I've given you a lot of stuff. Okay, good. Uh, highly responsive audience. Thank you. Thank you for just being there. I appreciate it. So, here we are. We're going to engage in this relationship. Let's go on to the next step. It's obvious that you can only ever say the words I believe in when the thing you believe in can be well defined. For example, um, Adam, do you believe in shtunkel bonkles? No. No, you don't believe in them. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So do you believe in them or don't you? <laughs> you don't believe in them. I mean, I don't not believe in them. I just don't know what... Meaning, you yes can't no. say that you do or don't believe in them because you don't know what a shnongle bonkle is. <laughs> yes. Right? Correct. You can only believe or not believe in something which has a definition. I'll it's got a parameter. So, 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 so oh. Baruch believes in shnongle bonkles. <laughs> so yeah. Wow, yeah, let's hear a little bit about... What is that yeah. belief all about? Let's hear it. Like, you wouldn't even know where to start. Because you can only believe in something you can define. You can't believe in something which is indefinable. Undefinable? Something not definable, non-definable. Undefined is a good word, thank you. So you can't you can't believe in something that you can't define. So if you say, Well, I, I believe I believe, I believe, I believe in God. So what's God? I don't know, that's the thing I believe in. But what is it? There's an interesting way of demonstrating this. You know, people who are atheists, they have a strong definition of God. They must do, because it's something they don't believe in. Meaning, for example, do you believe in the tooth fairy, Adam? No, why should I pick on Adam? Asaf, do you believe in the tooth fairy? No. See, did you notice the hesitation? Like, that, was, that was hard, because there's a lot of trauma from his youth there. Like, he's believed his tooth underneath the pillar. They used to be like, you know, was it a dollar, two dollars underneath There's the pillar? more proven to me than most students. Yeah, Taka, for, for Adam in his childhood, the tooth fairy was one of the, like, the solid foundations which really helped him get through. So, I know the tooth fairy may have a lot of baggage for many people, but do you believe in the tooth fairy, Asaf? Why not? In growing up, we all knew it was like a big trick. You know? Okay, well, let's first of all begin. What is a tooth fairy? Like, you know what the tooth fairy does. What does a tooth fairy do? <laughs> Tooth fairy is this like strange being, you know. In my mind, it's like this like little pixie, which is uh, 
pinkly yet. Yeah, in my mind, it's not pink at all. In my mind, it's like a tiny little feminine figure, which wear, which is wearing like a lacy dress, yeah. and with these these like wings. butterfly wings, and flies <laughs> down. Obviously, it has an incredible amount of cash because this, <laughs> this 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 fairy has to literally sustain, you know, well, millions and millions of children, um, and obviously, it's extremely, you know, kind of broad based has has a massive knowledge of who's losing a tooth when, and has the power to deliver. Uh, and in in the tooth fairy's bank account is a almost every currency in the world. I mean, I don't know how widespread the, the Tooth Fairy is, but for sure, the Tooth Fairy owns rands and dollars and shekels. And uh, uh, Tooth Fairy, in Hungary, there's a Tooth Fairy. Okay, there's Tooth Fairy in Hungary, so, so Tooth Fairy owns... Uh, zero. 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 Point. Point? Foreign. Foreign. I was, I was Hungarian foreign, and Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy in... Um, Tooth Fairy in, in Alaska. I don't know. So, <laughs> so the Tooth Fairy is all over. So well, imagine that. So, so now, so this is what the Tooth Fairy does. The Tooth Fairy has got an unlimited amount of different currencies and an unlimited knowledge of who's going to be losing a tooth when and it has an incredible ability to sneak in in the middle of the night generally, remove the tooth and in its place put a... And also the Tooth Fairy has kind of got this like intuition of how much to put. You know, like for, for rich families... No, like for, for poor families, tooth fairy, like back in the day, you know, one rand, one rand, you know. But you know, but then my friend's tooth fairy gave you like 10 rand. Like I think, hey man, there's discrimination, what's going on over here? And then as we speak about this tooth fairy idea more and more and more, we start to recognize that this seems ludicrous. And the reason why it seems ludicrous is because in my system of understanding of the world that I can know and experience, the idea that there's a being that has an unlimited access to a wide range of currencies and an intimate knowledge of who's going to be using the tooth when has no place in the world that I know of. And therefore, at some point in time, my reasoning mind says the tooth fairy is a man. I do not believe in the tooth fairy. And I've, once I understand what the tooth fairy is, I can then say I can't believe in this because it's a ludicrous assumption based on everything I know. So, But if I wouldn't know what the tooth fairy is, so like Adam doesn't know what a shnonkel donkel is, I couldn't say I do believe in it or not. And if a person believes in the tooth fairy, then they have to know, what do I believe in? I believe in that there's this little creature which flies down and, and replaces my tooth with cash and uh, all the corollaries that follow thereafter. So when I say I believe in God, what am I believing in? So what is the God I believe in? I have to very, have a very clear definition. And this becomes part of this problem. So if I believe that, well, God is wise, knowing, kind and thoughtful. Those are all human attributes. So those aren't going to be the best definition for our purposes if we're trying to say that God or Hashem is behind the world. You know, if we say that this idea of God is like, you know, uh, the idolatrous gods of the previous generations and you've got this pantheon of gods and you've got Zeus, head god. Or, you know, or Odin in Norse mythology. Odin was like, he's a man. In fact, the, I, I, for some reason, hey, Sometimes it's called Woden, you know, like, and actually the, 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 the day Wednesday's Woden's day, it's like Thursday's Thor's day, it's Kishmak, yeah, and, and all the days of the week are interesting, named after these, 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 these gods, these gods. 
Now Thor was his hair, the god of thunder. <laughs> power. He has proper power. So it's, it's like so dramatic having this painting of God, this geschmack of all these gods. But you understand why it's idolatrous? Because it's using human reasoning. And you know, the gods, the gods back, back in the, in the, um, do they, do they like hang out in the pantheon? Um, they, 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 they kind of had like real human issues. And like had affairs and they had problems and domestic issues and gripes and, so that's, that's obviously not what we're dealing with when we're talking about our spiritual system where we're thinking about, no, no, but the mystery of existence, there's, there's something beyond, 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 beyond that human reasoning can't comprehend. So the minute we get into that point, we're already trapped. We're already trapped. And to understand, to understand that's a problem. So we have to have a, a, a well-defined belief in God, otherwise we get trapped in all these things. Um, so what would be like the primary thing? How would you, how would you define God? Like, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a bit problematic because how can we, de- <laughs> how can we define God if it's something that we can't know and understand that's beyond all comrades? So, so now, point number one is we have to define it to say, I believe in or I don't believe in. Point number two is we can't because it's beyond our rationality. So now to understand the basic problem of an engaging, and this is like, this is step one. This is like step one in spiritual interaction because we only spiritual world is the world beyond what we can fathom and understand and beyond the empirical beyond um, beyond the rationality beyond the constructs of our world that I think that would be appropriate maybe maybe let me give a bit of a addition to this uh, or maybe not no I think I think maybe what I wanted to say could only be said later so that's where we that's where we um, kind of get to with this, this quest good Mm. Now, how are you feeling about all that? Confused. Confused, right? Like how you are, and I'm sitting in a room where all of you look to me as as highly um, motivated religious people. Like I'm like questioning like one of the most basic fundamentals, and like everyone's kind of say, "Oh, never really thought about this before." It's like this is big, right? Oh, you have thought about this, okay? Everyone but one person has it. And when you thought about it, what kind of conclusions did you come to, man? There's no no conclusion. So in other words, you thought about it, you thought, oh my gosh, okay, and then you just gave up and no, became religious. No. Okay, good. And then it's like, you're trying to like, oh, learn Taylor to gain closer to God, and then you're like, what do you mean? The first scale that Excellent, hands. beautiful, beautiful, sense, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so good. Excellent, excellent. So this is, like, this is like step number one, and, and that's why it's no coincidence that this actually is the first part of this work, work called Derech Hashem. Now what was the Derech Hashem's goal? Derech Hashem, the way of God, the way of Hashem, which Moshe Chaim Tzato, this 18th century great Kabbalist, put down, he put into writing, in layman's terms, the Kabbalistic system of the Arizal. Rabbi Yitzchak Luria was possibly one of the greatest Kabbalists that ever lived. Um, reached, I suppose, his most prolific uh, period of influence in the city of Tzfat in the 1500s and wrote and he, he didn't actually write it it was written by his student Reb Chaim Vital in enormous comprehensive works on the on the Kabbalah systemizing it and, and really really contributing and and making it accessible in a way that had never really been accessible before. And then different scholars of the Arizal 
took different pathways in expressing his tone in different ways. So, for example, the Hasidic movement, which began in the 1700s, was founded by a man called Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. And he used this system of mystical practice as more of a practical form of spiritual engagement. The Ramchal intellectualized, it's, it's a wrong word, but for want of a better word, I'll use it, and systemized in layman's terms the structure of the Lurek, 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 the Arizal's Kabbalah in layman's terms in Derech Hashem. And the first thing he does is begin with, well, what is, what is Hashem? Who is Hashem? How can we define him? And, uh, and that's, I suppose, where we need to begin as well in our spiritual journey. Okay. How's everyone feeling about that? Good? So let's try. And this is, this is, the, the, I'm a kind of, I'm avoiding this because I feel a little bit overwhelmed by the challenge. But let's, let's give it a bash. Maybe, maybe difficult, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna try it anyway because I suppose it's, 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 it's highly necessary. Says Ramchal. This is the first part and the first chapter and the first paragraph in that first chapter. And the topic of the chapter is, the Boya is Barachmoy. In regard to the Creator, may His name be blessed. And of course, we have to understand this: what is this blessing of His name? What, what in the world? Why? Why didn't, why didn't the Ramchal, Moshe Hamitzafer, his acronym is the Ramchal? Why? Did, why didn't he just begin by saying Beboyo in regard to the Creator? Why did he add on Yisbarach Shmoi, His name should be blessed. And what is that? Well, well, I mean, why, why do you need attention? What is it all about? We have to question that as well. But hopefully, as we get further in this quest, we'll be able to clarify it. Says the Ramchal, Kol Ish Mi Yisrael. Every person within the Jewish nation in Israel, Tzorich, is required, needs, Sheya'amin, to believe, V'yeda, and to know. So he already kind of teases us that there's going to be some point of this mysterious riddle that we're going to be able to utilize some part of our rational mind to fathom, which is exciting, because I think, you know, how else are we going to get there? When I was pondering this question myself, um, before reading further and understanding the Ramchal, and actually I've also been listening to a very, very brilliant series of lectures by a man called Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky that I'm basing a lot of what I'm saying upon and he explains these ideas but I would think to myself that well okay so if you can't know through your, through your rational mind maybe the only way of accessing this deep spiritual knowledge is through meditation and going down to the place or up to the place or inside to the place where I'm no longer constricted by the structures of thoughts, and maybe that when I get there, then everything will become clear. There may still be an option, but already in the first words of the Ramchal, he does give us an inclination that there may be a power of rationality that we can employ, which is exciting. Each man, person from Israel, needs to believe and to know. Sheyesh Sham Matsui Rishon. 
that there is there a primary being. A being that was before all. Okay, we're going to have to go through these slowly. Matsu Rishon means he came first. Which means that he's borrowing language of causality because there is no first in infinity. infinity. But for us, for us, in our grasping, for us, it's, there was nothing else before. But for him, there's no before. Kadmoin, he was always there. Venitzchi, an infinite, he always will be. So do you understand that in that first sentence, there's already this, 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 this paradoxical interplay of within the structures and without the structures. So he's Rishon, he's first, but he's also always was and always will be. So in regard to who is he Rishon, who is he first? Obviously in regard to us. Vuhu Shehimtsi, now a new point. Vuhu and he's the one Shehimtsi that brought into reality Umamtsi and continues to bring into reality Kolma Shenimtsa Bemitsius. Everything which is found in the world and he is what we call the powerful being. Or I didn't want to use the word God, but the powerful being. So okay, this sentence needs needs a lot of work. I think I think I want to let it just perhaps digest for a little while. We read we I mean that we did a good job by reading those first three lines. And I think maybe we'll just have time to, to just we need to just reflect on that.